Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Great to have you in. Welcome to Friday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, and uh, he is back. Stashes, all sorts of trimmed up. It looks peaky. Blinders good. We say to, hi to Elijah Herbal. What's up, dude? I'm having a great day. You are. We both should like have smuggled ourselves into the ballpark today. It's a little rainy and cold. I'll go Sunday. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I'm going to wait till it's sunny. But, uh, man, what a scene. And, and our friends over at 1011 have uh, some footage out there that you probably checked out on Twitter. But uh, it is really cool to see Nebraska baseball fans in line, a line that stretched out from the, the, the opening gates of Haymarket Park throughout the sidewalk and it's not a picture perfect day but it is that day that allows you one of the 2700 to get back into Haymarket. and as uh, we look at the uh, near the seventh inning for Nebraska baseball they're in great shape to take game one of this four game set against Minnesota uh, Cade Povich is lighting up the radar gun he's doing his thing in Nebraska up five rip uh, shutting out them goofers Jackson Hallmark's uh, gone deep, also an RBI double, uh, Mojo sighting there, and Nebraska leads 5 nothing. So that's great. There's joy in Haymarket because uh, you're a fan and hopefully you're there or you got to go or you are going uh, part of the doubleheader tomorrow and then the, the final game of the series on Sunday. So that sight was sweet to see. Pretty loaded show. We will dive headfirst into the deep end of spring football. Parker Gabriel going to be with us here in about uh, 10 minutes or so from the Lincoln Journal-Star. We'll talk some Big Red football with Parker. Bill Dolman will be with us, the pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. Uncle Bill will check in. And then an extended sit-down with Amir Abdullah re-upping this week with the Minnesota Vikings. We'll talk uh, to Amir about his career that's already been seven years in the NFL, going into season number seven for him. That competition element that really pushed him and made him fantastic at Nebraska. And just uh, just spend some time with Amir because he's, uh, he's a good dude to, to talk to, and I know he's excited for spring ball. Basketball also on our minds, staking a beer bet before the show is done, Elijah Herbal with some Sweet 16. We can go through all the games, or we can pick one. I'll let you weigh that here between now and 6 o'clock. Good news for Nebraska, though. Uh, One of those scholarship spots, a name we touched on uh, with Andy Markowski earlier, 
this week, uh, Xavier transfer C.J. Wiltshire. He has entered the transfer portal from Xavier. It took uh, very few moments for him to decide Nebraska is where I want to be. He's a 6'5 freshman guard, averaged about three or four minutes a game for Xavier, made one start, and uh, he was a a high-level four-star recruit out of New Jersey. So uh, he's a guy that, you know what, is – uh, has always been on on Abdel Massey's radar and on Hoiberg's radar, and he wanted to to go to Nebraska, but he thought Xavier might be the best spot for him. He's moving on, has a great opportunity, and uh, he is uh, a nice get for Nebraska to to make some some difference here with this roster that we feel pretty good about, right? If they can take care of the basketball, continuing to grow. And the thing about Wiltshire is the guy is a 35% three-point shooter in limited action. So you don't have a giant sample size, uh, but he's a, he's a big-time shooter. We'll get to Hunter Salas and his decision in a moment. But uh, he was uh, the 81st-ranked player in the 2020 class. Uh, his little brother is the, <laughs> is the number eight-point guard in the country that uh, older brother CJ is working on little brother already. He's the he's the uh, five star point guard in the country for the 2023 class. So maybe you're seeing a little deja vu here with Nebraska basketball getting the older brother right. So you can get a little brother that's a, a five star phenom that never hurts. Yeah, it worked the first time around. I heard you got a, a pretty good little brother. It's, hey, it's you, but you want some playing time? You got to earn it. But we love family life here. I mean, look at the Hoybergs themselves as, as you got uh, Sam walking on at Nebraska. And, and I think it was uh, uh, Bassnet this morning who talked with Wilcher and said, Wilcher told him that uh, he has already started recruiting his brother as of this morning. Uh, where he committed this morning and already started recruiting his brother. But let's not look past Wilcher. I mean, this is a guy, Abdul Massey, has been recruiting mm-hmm. since he was at St. John's. Uh, and now at Nebraska, you recruit him out of high school, and he obviously chose Xavier. But now a year later, Abdul Massey goes to work again. Uh, and this guy fills it up from three. He shot 40% in limited action, only one start last year for Xavier, but 40% from deep last season, which is obviously exactly what you want in a Fred Hoiberg offense. And, and he said that this Fred Hoiberg, you know, kind of positionless offense is exactly what's going to suit his his skill set and whenever I watch his highlight tape I, I would tend to agree with that now good highlight tape and there is some great basketball in the state of Jersey uh for sure uh, a lot of great uh, uh athleticism and you look at that size and 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 the the length that is a good fit for Nebraska he gets Big time gets what the the Hoiberg offense is about. That's moving the basketball. So let's uh, move on to another five-star topic, and that is Hunter Salas. Hunter uh, didn't know, uh, according to his conversation with Stu Pospisil of, of the World Herald, didn't quite know where he wanted to go Monday. Uh, kind of made his mind up over the weekend. Gonzaga's ace assistant recruiter came in, visited, and it was time to make a decision. Hunter Salas knew by Wednesday that he wanted to go to Gonzaga, and uh, the announcement was today. And I thought it was really cool to see uh, Frankie Fiddler and, and uh, of course, uh, Chucky Hepburn there with him. Those kids have played ball for a lot of years together, obviously played 
some great games against one another between Bell West and Millard North. And Hunter Salas uh, said, you know what, let's pull the trigger on on the team that's the favorite to win the national championship. So uh, Gonzaga got their guy, their, uh, their five-star get, and it's uh, a tremendous talent in Hunter Salas. And what, what really works out well is kind of the style of play factor again with Gonzaga averaging about 92 points a contest. Uh, Millard North averaged 81 a game for high school. But it is about tempo, 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 and uh, really getting out in transition. And with Hunter Salas, listen, the, the guy is going to put good weight on. The guy's going to get stronger. We know he can already fly through the air. All right. He has great ups and athleticism, and he was so much fun to watch taking it to the rim. But what I love most about Hunter Salas, and, and Coach Smith really hit on this because he's seen those type of guards before when he's recruited and when he recruited for Nebraska, Salas is a guy that is not afraid to go rebound. And and a lot of times guards don't. Okay, The forward, the, the big guy in the paint, uh, maybe your combo guard, that guy based on height and, and, and how wide you are, uh, maybe maybe some of these these shooting guards don't want to get their hands dirty, right? And I know Hunter can handle the basketball as well, but they had Jaden Johnson doing that at Miller North this year. He was a tremendous point guard as well. But but Hunter does a great job. He gets dirty, gets rebounds, elevates, tracks the ball well. And Hunter's to his credit, he is a patient guy. You know, he wasn't out of the gates bang like a cannon. He is very patient about letting the game come to him. And even early in that championship game against Bell, Bell West this year that they won, he was just finding ways to penetrate and get his teammates ready. He'd drop one off to Green. Uh, he'd find St. Thomas. He was an exquisite passer on the drive and then quick little bullet pass or pocket pass down low where the defense would draw towards him. And I love his mid-range, too. And he'd be taking on some zones. They'd find a way to get Hunter, and we saw this against North Star. They'd get Hunter to the free throw line, and his mid-range was nice. Now, every kid in high school, even the the elite shooters in high school, they'll get better percentage-wise against tougher defenses when they put the work in at college. It's a whole different ball game. But Hunter's a guy that can get to the rim, uh, obviously. But you want that three-level score. You want a guy who can hit from three, hit the mid-range, obviously finish at the rim. That's what's so incredible about Chucky Hepburn. I think that kid's phenomenal as well. But you look at Salas, he can do it, and he's only going to grow and get better. And Gonzaga uh, was pretty straight with him, quite honestly, uh, with the discussion and their their continued contact. I mean, the the critique was there by the assistant, okay? The critique was there. That listen, this is what you need to do to get better. This is how you're going to improve your game, and it wasn't all sunshine, roses, and lollipops about uh, placating this this five star to get him. I think Gonzaga was pretty real with him, and you know, with Hunter, what what is is year one going to look like for him? He could be walking into a defending, you know, the defending national championships locker room. Gonzaga's that good. Uh, we'll see how they do against Creighton. I think Hunter is a guy that can can get some minutes. I think Hunter's a guy that can be patient. And Hunter doesn't have to be the guy that comes in and saves a program. No. 
he's going to go to a program that's been as consistent as consistent can be. And uh, they've seen that over two decades here with Mark Few. And he's a guy that can find a role and then just go to work on his game within the offense that he clearly fits with his athleticism. So uh, it just it kind of comes down to that patience I saw on court with Salas, not forcing things really. I mean, I've, I've had a chance to see five or six of his games over the last two years and a couple of games when he was a sophomore. So almost you know eight to ten games in his career in high school. And he's always been a guy that's, A, very unselfish when it comes to passing versus taking bad shots, despite being Mr. Five-Star, okay? And, and he's a guy that is going to do what's, I think, best for the team. He'll, he'll be able to understand that even though I'm the man, I'm not the man at this next level. I'm going to have to kind of earn my way up. And, and see what works out well. I really enjoyed uh, Donovan Williams' interview with uh, a publication out of Oklahoma, just how Donovan's had to kind of reconfigure what he's about. And I know he's dealt with an injury, uh, but he's a local product that was a high-level recruit, and he's drilling down on his defense. He's really working on his shooting, and he just wants to find a role and a way post-injury to get on the court next year for Oklahoma State. You know, because your confidence gets backhanded once you go to college. You're used to just doing whatever the hell you want because you're that much better in high school. Well, you get a rude awakening sometimes. I think Hunter's a kid that'll be patient, and it doesn't have to happen for him right away. And that's where you, you get into some trouble with a lot of five- and four-star kids, be it football or basketball. Uh, they're, they're in such a hurry to be great because they're so competitive and they're blessed. Well, the transition is very real from high school and a really good high school ranks in in the state of Nebraska here the last couple of years with high school talent to that next level in college where uh, it ain't going to be easy and you're going to take your lumps. Don't shake your confidence and, and just find your fit and then get better. Allow the development to happen. And what's nice for Hunter is, I mean, today is his 18th birthday. Yep. Like he's young for his for his class, for his recruiting class. I mean, a lot of those guys that are the, the early bloomers, too, they're the type that are born in July, August. Uh, they may be they year. may be 19 before their senior year's done. Exactly, yeah. And Hunter is 18, still growing into his body. And when I watch his game, he's got deficiencies, but he doesn't have any place in his game where I think that's a black mark. He is not going to be able to do that ever. I mean, he's got elevation to his jump shot, so even against college defenders, you think he's going to be able to shoot over them once he gets a little experience doing it. As you said, great rebounder, great ball handler. Um, He's proved at Miller North that he doesn't have to be a ball handler. He's been great off the ball as well. Uh, I really don't see a part of his game that doesn't translate well to a college game and eventually to an NBA game. Uh, Hunter Salas is incredible, and I think Gonzaga was the right pick whenever you watch what they do uh, with Drew Timmy now and, and the shooters that they have loaded around him. I mean, it's it's going to be him not necessarily playing on the ball at Gonzaga, I don't think, uh, but I think it's going to open up his game even more the way their offense is structured. Right, and, and he wasn't he didn't always have the ball in his hands at Miller North. I mean, he was so good at defending where he'd pick your pocket and then go slam it home, right? But it was it was Jaden handling the ball, and, and he was the off guard there. And when he'd get it, he'd penetrate. All these guys, and it's it's pretty common, you need to develop your other hand, your off hand, right? You hear coaches say that all the time. But 
Hunter going to his left, he would be able to do that and drift. And MJ would do this, and I'm not comparing Hunter to, to MJ. I'm just saying Jordan was so good at he didn't always have to go right to get his shot. He'd go, he'd kind of drift to his left to square up, you know, as, as a right-handed shooter. So Hunter's moved well with without the basketball. He, he plays above the rim, and I know he feels awesome about being able to uh, – to make that choice and and settle in as uh, a high-profile kid that gets to go to Gonzaga, tremendous university, and it really kind of came down to Gonzaga over Creighton and, and over Oregon. So uh, I think Dana, I remember Dana being in town last year checking out the the the, the, the North Star squad, right, and then going up to to Miller North to see. Obviously, way pre-COVID, this was around February, but Dane Altman was in the gym, and you know what, Oregon uh, Oregon could have used him. We'll uh, get into some spring football. We'll talk with uh, Parker Gabriel next on Hale Varsity. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Got to at Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's talk some spring football that gets going on Tuesday. Coach Frost and company meet the media Monday. Parker Gabriel back with us from the Lincoln Journal Star at Husker Extra PG. On Twitter is where you find him. So how many people ditched work and hopefully are not getting caught by the camera of many uh, outside of Haymarket here a few hours ago, Parker? I think there should just be a waiver. You know, first day that fans can be back, it's Friday. There's a little bit of rain, but, you know, it's, it's temperate at least. Like, if you're, I, I, I beg of you, if you're a boss and, and, and you see one of your employees at Haymarket Park, just let it slide this time. You know what? The Parker Gabriel waiver is something that we need to get a reality, right? And, okay. and it, it can expand beyond... Haymarket Park, it can expand beyond PBA. I, Parker, I need a waiver from you. I can give to my wife so I can go to the bar Saturday night. I, I you know, uh, what little power I have in the world, Schmitty, I don't think it would extend that far. So right. let's just, we'll just have to keep it, uh, we might have to just keep it to, to today at the park. But who knows, maybe there's more leniency in the future. We will grow it. Uh, hey, it, we're all excited for, for football and, and the fact that, Fans will be at Memorial Stadium in, in May. And, you know, the uh, it's just uh, that, that boost of energy that, that fans have looked forward to getting that answer and, and for sure, you know, the team. And, you know, I'm interested in spring football. There, there's so many different areas to look at. But, you know, what one position group is, is kind of top on your hit list as, as you get ready for another spring? Yeah, I, I mean, there's a bunch of them. I think – I think you probably start with um, running back just because it's the, it's probably the most open. I mean, wide receiver's pretty open, too. Um, you can't really go wrong with, with either of those. So in terms of, like, what is the pecking order going to look like, I think that those two positions have some of the most wide-open battles, and therefore, you know, the intrigue is easy to see. I mean... Is it going to be Marquis Step and then everybody else in the running back room, or or can some of those young guys really make a push at at having big roles? And similarly at receiver, you know, I think we all expect Samari Ture, the the transfer from from this winter from Montana, to have a big role. So 
Um, but we, you know, we've never seen him in person before. He's obviously never hasn't played it down yet at, at Nebraska, and, and Omar Manning's played very few. And there's a bunch of other guys in that room that that you think can take sort of steps forward, including uh, Xavier Betts. So th- those are those are two of the most wide open. But you never, even you know, with a, a three-year starter coming back, I think you never get too far away from the quarterback conversation, just because uh, you know if you. If you don't have depth at the quarterback spot, I mean, you need your top guy. They they have it in Adrian Martinez by all accounts. Uh, and then after that, um, you know, do they feel good about option number two and option number three? And so, there's questions all over the place, but those would be a few of them that come come to mind right away. Parker Gabriel's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Parker uh, covers Nebraska, of course, with the Journal Star at Husker Extra PG on Twitter's where you find him. To the running back room. Is there a guy that's been on campus maybe longer than others that you think could have a breakout, or is there a back you think needs to have a breakout? I think I'm excited about Morrison, obviously, uh, because the, the the talent and potentials there. We didn't see him last year. Tompkins is supposed to be a game-breaker. He's been dinged. Ramirez been around, right? And then you've got Gabe Irvin that uh, it sounds like he's – really kind of fit in well as an early enrollee. So I've listed a lot of the running back names beyond, yeah, ste- yeah. beyond step. But is, is there a, a dark horse in that running back room that you think, man, if he gets some reps because half of these guys haven't had them, right, because of COVID, right. that could just kind of, you know, blow some hair back? Yeah, well, I think it's interesting because, as you said, Gabe Urban's the only new addition to the group. But I think – I'm not sure that, I mean, and I don't have a full understanding of this, but I think in general, I'm not sure your general fan appreciates what a weird year it was last year just from a practice perspective. You know, like I don't know how much of a rhythm Marvin Scott and, and Savion Morrison ever were really able to get into. Obviously, Marvin Scott worked his way into getting, oh, 24 carries or something like that. Um, over the course of the year, but there's just not there. You know, neither of those guys were on campus for spring ball before that got shut down. Neither of them had gone through winter conditioning. They both arrived in the summer. Um, by that time, you know, you're trying to acclimate to college and college football, and you're already you know headlong into the pandemic. And then the season obviously was weird and. You know, Savion Morrison had injuries and then COVID and injuries and, and never actually got in the game. And, you know, Marvin Scott um, got into a game a couple times. And, like, remember when they got to Purdue, he had a false positive uh, and ended up not playing in that game because they got him right. They, they basically had to rush him over to the stadium right before kickoff. And so it just nothing about those kids' lives was normal for the past year. So I really think about it as, you know, they've got three new guys basically in that room in Scott Morrison and Gabe Urban. And I'm not going to pass a lot of judgment based on what those guys did or didn't do last year. Simultaneously, even, you know, I, I don't, I think you can, it's pretty fair to say that neither of them has secured anything sure. in the way of a big role or something like that. But I just, there's so many new faces in there. Um, if you were going to, if you were going to, 
say who you think might come out of spring a little ahead. Uh, you might go toward experience with Ramir Johnson, um, but there's going to just be plenty of competition in that room. As we look at spring and, and the offense, and then that's the big question mark for Nebraska, you have a three-year starter at quarterback. You've got a room full of running backs. You feel uh, decent about your O-line, even though you lost a couple of longtime starters. Do you anticipate a bit of a shift at all philosophically with the offense more more ground and pound or is it more of what we've seen the last couple three years with uh, with what frost and company do yeah that's a good question i mean i think you always you know you always want to run the football and 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 scott frost wouldn't tell you any different i mean that's the that that they did that as well as anything even at oregon when they were really going um you know they they Chip Kelly, his four years at Oregon, they ran the ball 60-plus percent every year. Um, and, you know, that wasn't – they were just built a little bit differently at Central Florida. It was a different league. In the Big Ten, you're obviously always going to have to run the ball. Um, so I think, you know, to me, it's how do you get your rushing yards uh, because, you know, Nebraska's production wasn't bad last year. It's by the end of the year when you look back at it. It just was, A, inconsistent uh, week-to-week – and be so reliant on the quarterback to make up a big chunk of that yardage, and especially with, you know, where their depth is at quarterback this year. I just they're not. I don't think it's. I don't think it's a good way to try to make a living if you're expecting Adrian Martinez to carry the ball 20 times a game. I mean, he's he's done it. We've seen him do it. Um, he is a tough kid, but it takes a toll. And so, um, I think they've got to be able to run the ball. Um, I traditionally, I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but just with your running backs, like the simplest way to put it, you've got to be able to move the ball effectively. They've got to be able to generate a push up front and then build out from that. Now, it's in modern football. Like you've got to throw the ball. You've got to throw it down the field. Um, but one of the best ways, you know, Nebraska is going to be able to unlock some of that stuff is by keeping defenses on the front. Yeah, Parker, when you look at last year, two of the of the leading rushers in the team were Luke McCaffrey and Wandale Robinson, neither of whom are uh, running backs and both of whom are no longer with the program. So when, when you look at that, does it open up the chance for Scott Frost to, to take this offense and shift it to more of a, of a passing attack? Or, or really, do you think that that rushing attack is still the strength of the game despite the, uh, the departures? Well, I, think, I mean, you, like the simplest answer is you've got to be able to to do both. Obviously, the rushing distribution is going to change quite a bit from what it was last year because, uh, you know, I would say, I mean, the the three of their four leading rushers were, as you said, McCaffrey, Wando Robinson, and Diedrich Mills, all of whom are gone now. And so um, that's why I think there's so much interest in the running back room because you're going to need not just one of those guys. It's not just okay, Marquis Step here's 24 carries a game. It's, it's every, you know, a bunch of those guys are going to have to contribute and do it in different ways. And then they're always going to have their quarterback insert stuff. There's a role, obviously, for Adrian Martinez um, to run the ball. I just don't think you want to put the load on him that they had last year. And I don't remember exactly where it finished, but I, I want to say the quarterbacks uh, accounted for something like 50 or 52% of their rushing production. I mean, that's just – that's a lot to ask for that to be a sustainable model going forward. So I don't know if you have to radically adjust your, um, your, your distribution between run rate and pass rate, but I think you're going to see 
the way that those rushing carries come together, the mix of those rushing attempts change quite a bit. And then you've got to be more efficient uh, with your passing attempts. A few more minutes. Parker Gabriel with us, Sale Varsity Radio. You can find Parker on Twitter at HuskerExtraPG. We'll get next segment with Parker. And as we uh, move forward and preview the spring season for Nebraska football, a lot of questions. Defensive side of the ball feels pretty good, but who are some young guys that can maybe step up and surprise, specifically getting after the quarterback in that running back room's Absolutely something that's on our mind, along with the wideouts and the Logan Smothers question here at at, uh, quarterback. Where can he go in his development after a a tough, really, uh, first year or so due to COVID? Reminder about moving. West Blue Realty is the place to go. They specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and surrounding communities. And if you mention Hale Varsity, they can provide you up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Give Tom Luby a phone call today at 402-540-3768 or Kelly Hofschneider. Kelly can help at 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue, westbluerealty.com. It's where you log on. Get an appointment today, 1120 K Street, Suite uh, 200. And do you have some ag land you're looking to move? West Blue Realty can help with that. They have experience in selling agricultural land. Uh, They've got an auctioneer. They can handle anything from live auctions to sealed bids to general land listings. And they've sold land all over the great state of Nebraska, Lancaster, Oto, Seward counties. And they can help you. Again, log on. That large land radius, maybe you want to move. West Blue Realty.com. Parker Gabriel, we continue our conversation with him. Husker baseball is rolling as Povich uh, went seven innings, scoreless for him. Good on him. Amir Abdullah, we will talk with uh, the Husker great and Viking as he re-upped. Next hour, Hale Varsity continues. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Parker Gabriel's with us. A few more minutes. Hale Varsity Radio at uh, Husker Extra PG on Twitter is where you find Parker. So the quarterback question, we, we know that Adrian's got plenty of experience. When Adrian's healthy and right, he can play ball with the best of them. He's had injuries throughout his career. So we get to the backup question and Logan Smothers, uh, dynamic talent out of Alabama. He was one of those kids that we've talked about that, that didn't have a normal introduction to college football due to COVID. So how big a spring is it for, for Logan? Because, you know, last year you had uh, Luke and you had Adrian. And, and then, okay, there's Logan here kind of doing his thing. But this is a chance for him to step forward. You've got Harburg, obviously. And then the, the does Nebraska go get a grad transfer or a transfer question looming out there post-spring? Does that make uh, this uh, these next five weeks pretty big for Logan to solidify something? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it's a critical five weeks for him, and and I, you know you can put Heinrich Harburg in that conversation too. I mean, I don't think we need to shy away from just wondering what quarterbacks who are fresh onto campus can do. I mean, you know, obviously it's a little different for for Logan Smothers because he's been around for a year, but I think both of those guys. So for for Smothers, you know, the uh, again it's a similar conversation to the the freshman running backs as you as you sort of alluded to there. Once those guys were back on campus in the summer and getting ready for a season, like remember, 
for a while, it was, hey, we're getting ready for a season that ended up getting, you know, postponed. And then when they got rolling again and really got into it, I mean, Mario Verduzco and Scott Frost had enough on their plate trying to get Adrian Martinez and Luke McCaffrey ready to play. And, and when you're game planning, like your number three guy just is not going to get a lot of attention or a lot of reps outside the scout team. And so this is really like, it's, it's not Logan Smothers' first impression this spring for the coaching staff, but it's going to be the biggest impression yet. And he's going to get more reps than he's got at any point in his career. I would think that that would be safe to say. And so the, the, you're really going to get a better idea of sort of where he's at, um, where Heinrich Harburg is at as a starting point. And then, like, to me, the thing that's so interesting about that conversation about, you know, do they have to go find somebody in the transfer portal after spring ball is like, if Logan Smothers, if you decide, yeah, you know, he's maybe not quite, we're not quite ready to put a game in his hands, like, there's going to be a bar there that you have to exceed. You're not going to add a quarterback from the portal just to, just to add a body to the mix. So you, you've got to go find someone uh, with limited in-person you know, recruiting ability that you think is going to give you a better chance of you know, navigating through a game or two or whatever if Adrian Martinez misses time than any of the other quarterbacks on your roster, Logan Smothers, uh, Harburg or Matt Master, who's going into his fourth year in the program as a walk-on, give you to win a game. I just don't. I'm not sure that's going to be um, so easily done. But we'll see what what approach they have to take. And my my hunch is that the Nebraska coaching staff is hoping that Logan Smothers and Heinrich Harburg and Matt Masker make that decision easy for him over the next few weeks. Well, and guess what? They're going to have the next few weeks to actually develop, <laughs> unlike last year. Yeah, well, that's true too. Yeah, I mean they're they're all. They're young guys, you know, the Smothers and Harburg in particular, you know, that, that every rep they get is building on the front end of the, you know, the, the, the bank there, you, you know, in terms of experience. And so it'll be, I just think it's a very important and interesting um, five weeks for them. But the thing to keep in mind with that, too, is like it's not the end of the road for either of those guys by right. any stretch of the imagination. I mean, they got five years left, so – it's um it's a big early test for them, put it that way. Parker, defensively, you know, what what is kind of the expectation not only for spring, but as we look to the future here with Nebraska's schedule in twenty twenty one, that has the most experience back. The defensive side for Coach Chenander, nine starters back. Uh, defense was really stout against the run. Specifically, when you look at their jump from from last year to the previous year against the run, they did really well. And I thought the front seven played at a high level along with the secondary. Uh, It's never easy losing a guy like Decap, but uh, there are some candidates there. And is there a name, young or old, that you think can can do some things as a pass rusher opposite JoJo? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that's one of the things that you – you know, you'll be really interested to sort of see what what happens this spring and who can come to the forefront there. There's a lot of candidates. You know, I don't know I don't know if there's a double digit fat guy on the roster and it's been several years in a row now that that's you know, we've talked about it that way. Um, but there there's a bunch of candidates. I mean, I thought Phil Darius Payne given all the limitations that we've talked about uh, over the last year in terms of guys who are new to campus um, getting integrated and, and developing 
um, showed some good signs over the course of the season. You know, you're going to have um, the next step for Ty Robinson and Casey Rogers on the defensive line is to develop more pass rush punch. Same with Ben Stilley. Um, there's a couple wild cards at the linebacker level. I'm very curious with a full off season and if both are, are fully healthy and, and, and ready to go, you know, can, can some of their more prototypical framed outside linebackers that are young guys, Blaze Gunderson and Jamari Butler, like can either of those guys um, make a run at it? Where does a guy who was hurt all of last year, like Javen Wright, you know, where does he fit in that mix? Is he a true defensive back or is he more of a hybrid? You know, he could be, he may end up in something like a JoJo Doman role. He's just built a lot different than JoJo is. You know, he's six four and a half and two hundred ten pounds. So they have a bunch of candidates. And to me, the interesting thing with the defense this spring is, yeah, you know, you want to develop and you want to stay on track. And they've got to force more turnovers. And they've they've got some items on the to do list, no doubt. Um, but I also think that you'll you'll see a spring where there's no reason to overtax. Deontay Williams and Markel Dismuke. You know, there's no reason to overtax uh, Ben Stilley and Will Honus. There's going to be a lot of reps, I think, for for a lot of young guys um, to try to sort of close, bridge that gap, close the gap, and and find roles. Um, you know, uh, on the defense here over the next few weeks. Last thought here, Parker, with just returning experience, it feels like everywhere on this defense. Where is the strength of this Husker defense? Is it in the, the secondary with Williams and guys like that returning, or is it actually up front with these young guys that are looking to come make a name for themselves along with uh, the experience they got around them? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think, you know, they should feel like they can be good at all three levels. The secondary, to me, is probably where you start, although, you know, that you're going to have a new guy playing corner opposite Cam Taylor Britt. Both of the, I would say, the if you were asking me right now, I would think the lead candidates are Quentin Newsom and Braxton Clark, both of whom have, you know, some playing time under their belts. Uh, they've got other candidates back there um, that they, they feel like can get the job done. So, you know, you're maybe not quite just in raw numbers. The depth maybe isn't quite the same in the back end as, as it is up front. I mean, up front, you know, you could have essentially the exact same rotation as you did last year uh, in, in with – Stilly, Rogers, and Robinson sort of as your starting point for the end. Uh, Damian Daniels and Jordan Riley inside. And, oh, by the way, you know, Deontay Thomas only played in two games last year because he got hurt. And so he's in that mix. And all you lost is a few, you know, stray snaps here and there from Keem Green, who transferred to South Carolina. So there's just a lot of experience and a lot of playing time. They should be able to, you know, it should be solid at, at all three levels, but I think you can make a good case for, for either the secondary or, or the defensive line up front. Parker, have a great weekend. Uh, we'll get caught up again soon, and, and thanks for the time today. Yeah, thanks, guys. Happy Friday. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Amir Abdullah coming up at 525. Uh, couple of segments with Amir Bill Dolman's on the way. Great to be with you on a Friday. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. So the NFL news of the day, the Dolphins kind of flip-flopping things. They're acquiring a couple of future first-round picks. They move off of that number three spot, trade with the Niners, and then they flip-flop with Philly. And Philly is going to get the, uh, the, 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 the 12 spot. Miami moves back three to six. And it sounds like San Fran's going to go quarterback or they just want to hammer people and go get pits at three. 
down. I, I, I don't think so. But think if you had uh, Pitts teamed up with the mother of all tight ends already there. Kittle? And Kittle. Well, and the thing about Pitts is... I'm, 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 that'd be intriguing because Pitts ran a, a damn 4-4, uh, 4-3. Four, 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 yeah, because... He's nuts. He's not your prototypical tight end. No, no, it, he he is a wide receiver who just happens he's, he's to be big enough flex. to play. Yeah, he's your flex. I know. I, I saw a, a football fan tweet that out, but so Mort's thinking this is what happens. Okay, you're going to get Urban, and he'll take Trevor Lawrence. Okay, mm-hmm. you're going to get uh, Zach Wilson, who had an insane pro day today. Sixty-seven of sixty-eight passes were completions. Seventy-yard bomb in the air. I love Wilson. I know you're supposed to take Trevor Lawrence first overall, but any other year, man. I mean, I'm all over Zach Wilson. BYU quarterbacks have done pretty well in the NFL with their passing offense. I know they're 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 high level. So Wilson goes to New York, and at three, if you're San Francisco, you take Mac Jones, and you've seen Mac anywhere from top ten to to mid teens to late first round, and the thinking behind that is just the, the style of quarterback that Mac Jones is, and you've had Shanahan have success with Matt Ryan, okay, in Atlanta, that was his quarterback, and then also with Cousins, okay, so maybe you, you go that route. If you're Philly, dropping back to 12 is still going to allow you probably a chance to get uh, a, a wide receiver, right? You're going to be able to get Smith or, or Waddle, likely, potentially, one or the other at 12. The thing is about that 49ers pick is I think everyone in the sports world would be up in arms if it was anyone but Justin Fields at three. I, I like Fields, but I just I don't know that he's as good of a thrower and his numbers say he is, but I'm saying in the NFL – but those is, windows are a lot smaller. They are. And and Mac Mac had a lot of help around him and he was great. Okay. He he didn't screw up the Ferrari, clearly. But with Miami, that uh, they either go with Fields or they stick with Tua. I think they're sticking with Tua and they're gonna surround themselves with whatever they want at skill. Makes a lot of sense. Which is nice. To, now, to give Tua one of his targets from Alabama and Devontae well, Smith. The, 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 the touchdown game winner <laughs> against Georgia. I'll, I'll say this, too. If if I'm real honest, I don't know that there's a lot of love with the patience game. I thought it was too soon to eject on Tua. And I'm glad that, and I hope Miami sticks with him. Jimmy G, I think his days are, well, clearly numbered, but he has missed 23 out of the 48 starts. Okay, that that's the bottom line of it. Bill Dolman's on the way. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. 
Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Amir Abdullah coming up in 25 minutes. We say hi to the Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports, Bill Dolman. Bill, are we going to see you at the spring game now that folks can attend? Uh, I think there'll probably be like 95,000 uh, people there. And, you know, if I can uh, get a ticket, then there might be 95,001. Well, the the moose let us know about 45,000 to start, but that number could grow to 75% capacity. So, I guess okay, 45,001. Okay, so you're you're going to army crawl in and and do it. But it's pretty cool that that fans are are going to be in and this has kind of been an ongoing topic throughout the week, the kind of that fandom and that energy the fans give. And I'm you're the perfect person to ask this to in your career covering Nebraska uh, as host of the Tom Osborne show. Is there a game that is always kind of in your back pocket where, all right, Nebraska played great. It was a tight ball game. And the the big red 12th man really showed up in full force. Is there a game that the the fans were over the top in a great way that that helped propel victory? A couple of them. A couple of them stand out. Um, the the ninety four went over Colorado. Um, I, I think that you know that game was over before it began um, because it was just such an electric atmosphere. And when Tommy and Mike Minner walked down the tunnel uh, in street clothes, wearing their jerseys with Tom Osborne and the Colorado Buffaloes were watching that while they stomped on the end and flipped us all off. Um, but the crowd, when they saw those guys walking down the tunnel, that game was over. And I think Bill McCartney even mentioned that. Um, that was spectacular. Halloween night again against Colorado, 1992 was, <laughs> I mean, that was just, uh, um, that was, that was like a horror flick, you know, watching that. It was kind of dreary and dark. And, you know, we were, we were the Jasons in the mask. I mean, we're, we're going to win. We're the Michael Myers, you know. Um, and I still remember the scene that, that when we did the highlight videos that year and, and for the game, there was some guy that did have a, a Jason or Michael Myers hockey mask on, you know, in the overalls. So I thought that was classic. And we used that in all the videos. That one was spectacular. And then, then you know, on a different note, um, after, after the, you know, the, the the tragic stuff that happened in 94, 95, I guess, you know, after the whole Lawrence Phillips thing mm. uh, happened. And I think we played Arizona State the following weekend. And uh, the way the crowd, you know, was just so behind that team that afternoon. I think that's who we played. I don't, I don't remember. It was, it, next it, was, it, was, it was Arizona State. Yeah. I mean, that game was... I mean, we we were up like forty nine to nothing in the first half or something. We're we're having to put our starters back in at the end of the uh, second quarter because you know the, the third and fourth team guys are getting tired. You know, and the crowd though was just so electrically loud for for different reason. You know, just like this universal support of Tom and the program, and um, that I, I remember that it was that was really a, a unique atmosphere. Uh, when they took the field that day, I don't. I mean, I don't think it, it changed the outcome of the game, mm-hmm. like the those two Colorado games. But uh, you know, those were those were pretty spectacular. I also remember, you know, when when I think we played Texas A and M and lost the, the weekend, the four year case of the flu bug finally went away. Yeah, that's people that's really the other. That's the other end of the day. spectrum. Yeah, it was like, oh, we're losing, but you know what? Uh, the sky's bluer and Tom's back, and mm-hmm. everything's okay. 
Well, that that A and M game was was brutal, but yeah, uh, it was. That was oh seven, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that there was there was there was a uh, there was a Rocky Mountain High atmosphere to that for for different reasons. <laughs> Probably Bill Dolman's with his NBC Sports uh, Pride of Fairbury at Bill Dolman on Twitter. Bill, uh, pretty big day up at uh, Millard North. Hunter Salas, five star uh, guard for. Now Gonzaga, is he committed? And you've covered a lot of basketball. You've done some Gonzaga games in your career. You know, uh, you've been around Mark Few. And, you know, it's a nice get for hit, for, for Gonzaga. Clearly, you've got uh, a generational class this year and in future years in the state of Nebraska with high school talent, really high-level kids. And it sucks to see them go, but you, you wish them well and think that, that things will be pretty high level for him. What can you say about what you know uh, about Gonzaga and and how they're able to not only now start getting five stars, they've been getting their own kind of type player for a lot of years, and they've been great. They'll probably win the title this year. But when when it comes to Salas and that blend of talent with the Gonzaga program and the up-tempo style, I know you followed a little bit of Hunter's success here. Uh, tell me about the the match between these two. Well, I, I think that the, to um, the thing that struck has struck me over the years about Gonzaga, and I remember a uh, hundred years ago when um, uh, you know, he first took over that program, and then he kind of became the uh, the the flavor of the month. You know, the the who's going to where is he going to go after he leaves Gonzaga? But there was always kind of a, and I relate this back to Coach Osborne. You know, eventually people quit calling because they realize the guy's actually, you know, at home there and he wants to stay there and he wants to live there. And he's created a a culture of stability and a, a culture of lifestyle. I spoke Kansas and just a wonderful place. Um, and and I, I think to a certain extent that people read into that, that, you know, this, this guy's not leaving. There is stability. Um, and as politically ugly as college basketball can be, there there's still kind of a certain purity to Gonzaga, you know that that maybe they're tucked away up in the Northwest and they don't get you know the kind of uh, attention that well Arizona and Kansas and Duke and North Carolina have gotten over the last five years, which completely is unresolved. Um, but I, you know I just think it's the culture of stability and the lifestyle that Spokane affords and the, the way that that he promotes that. It's similar to what, you know, Tom did for so many years that, you know, Lincoln, Nebraska is a, a pretty great place to be. This is where I want to live. I'm committed to this place. Uh, it's my program. I've built it and I don't want, I'm not going to go. And so you might as well just quit calling. And you never hear about Mark Hugh anymore, you know, being up for jobs. It's people have realized that he likes to, he likes to fly fish. He likes <laughs> well, he's, the outdoors. He's, he's made it. He's made it one of those jobs now, right? Right. You know, but you know, let, let, let's also, I, and I appreciate what they do and what they've done and the success that they've had. Um, and and I, I you know for the, all the the right reasons, I hope they they win the national championship. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a little bit like watching BYU 1984 uh-huh. win a national title playing in the WAC. You know they play in the West Coast Conference. There's BYU is okay. Uh, St. Mary's you know flirts with an upset every year. But let's not mistake winning, going unbeaten and winning the West Coast Conference with playing in, well, I guess, not the Big Ten anymore, but in some of those other conferences where it's, it's really, really difficult night in and night out. And you're playing in gyms 
The only place that's an arena really in the West Coast is is Gonzaga. I mean, you play in gyms, and except the BYU guys, take that back. So they can they're they're going to enjoy success. You know, they they've been able to to beat up on on their conference, and you know, you win the games that you're scheduled to play, and they do that. But you know, have they been challenged with the toughest schedule in the country this year? Probably not. At least not for the last two or three months. Um, and I know they try to play a, a marquee game, you know, or two in the first half of the season. And but look, they're great. There's no question about it. That's a great team. And, I, and if they win, that'll be a feel-good story. And it's long, you know, deserved for I guess the overall body of work of the program that they built. So if the kid from Nebraska is, is excited about going there, okay, great. You know, it's happened over the years. Bill Jackman was enamored with Duke and ended up coming back to Nebraska. Ron Kellogg's in Kansas. Cedric Hunter goes to Kansas. You know, it, it happens. So if this if this kid you know found a program that that speaks to him with the stability that Mark Few, Mark Few provides, great. I do think that you know when I'm, when I'm reading about this, that this might be the kind of recruit that is may have been affected by the fact Nebraska couldn't play at Pinnacle Bank this year. You know because there is there is something special about playing basketball there. I I, I find it really remarkable that Nebraska has a great home court basketball advantage at PBA. And, you know, if, if they're playing this year and they're having 14,000, 15,000 people there watching a team, you know, win by four, or lose by 14, but they're still coming, that speaks volumes to recruits. And maybe, maybe he's got a Nebraska at least in his final five, which I don't think he did. Um, so I think Nebraska really has been hurt, you know, maybe more so than some teams as a, as a building program that they didn't have a chance to put people in their home arena. Yeah, Bill, Hunter Salas said this morning that he liked Spokane, Washington because it reminded him of uh, of Nebraska and that he could just go there, focus on school, and focus on basketball, and there wasn't much else to do. And does that remind you of, of Lincoln, Nebraska, and, and why you know Tom Osborne could find success back in the 90s? And hopefully, as a Nebraska fan, cross my fingers for why Scott Frost could, could find success in the future? Well, you you got to have success, and clearly Gonzaga has established that. So, yeah, it, 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 Spokane's a great place for those people who haven't been there. Uh, I, I think it's it's you know it's a it's a hidden gem, and it's a quiet town and a beautiful area, and you know it's not it's not just basketball and and, and what and whatever. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of great outdoor things to do there. So, I, if you're gonna, if you're looking for a place to be outside of Lincoln, Nebraska, Spokane is not a bad place to pick. Um, but you know, at some point when you have success. You know, people are going to be attracted to that, and and if Nebraska football starts to win again and has ninety thousand people in their stadium, it's going to be attractive. You know, and, and sometimes in-state kids just think it's cool to be able to go. Well, at some point, it's going to be like, why would you want to leave? You know, you've got the opportunity to play at a premier program again. And I know if Scott gets it turned around and starts winning, I think everybody believes Fred Hoiberg probably has uh, the right things going on with that program, despite the record this year that. You know, and they've got the fan bases in both places. Um, but yeah, well, you know, I think you know Nebraska kids and Omaha kids are going to you know continue to. We'll we'll look harder at staying home, and being a part of something special. And, and I get the argument can be made. It's not that special, and it's not that sexy to go to Nebraska. Gonzaga right now, for being Spokane, is a sexy place to go if they call. Bill, let's talk spring football. Nebraska gets rolling here. About three minutes left. And uh, things will get rocking next Tuesday. What are you interested in following? What storyline are you thinking about here as uh, Nebraska gears up for year four and winter conditioning's done? That's kind of step one. This is step two. 
of that offseason uh, process to, to make the fall uh, better? Logan Smothers. Okay. Uh, I, I think that, you know, for Adrian uh, Martinez, um, injuries and, you know, the, the step back that he, you know, has, has taken since his freshman year, I, I don't think we've seen a lot of progress in throwing the ball, you know, downfield. Um, so is he healthy? Can he stay healthy? And if he can't stay healthy, then I go back to what I said two years ago when uh, was the, the, the branch kid was the backup quarterback. You know, that didn't work out well. A bunch, okay? And then you had, uh, uh, you know, I, I said two years ago, maybe three years ago, that Noah Vedral was vitally important to the program because they actually had a, somewhat of an established backup quarterback, and it turns out that they needed him, you know, a couple of times. Last year it was, you know, the McCaffrey kid. How's he going to develop in his first spring away from uh, a high school ball? Now he's gone. So what kind of depth are they going to have at the quarterback position, you know, if Adrian Martinez, as has been the trend the last, you know, couple of years, is not 100% healthy? And, you know, if he can be healthy, great. You know, and if he's durable, awesome. If they've got everything fixed, fantastic. But they've got to have a backup that is, you know, can do more than just take snaps and, and hand the ball off. They've got to have a backup that can be a threat. Um, and that, that means passing the ball on, if it's third and eight, throwing it at least eight yards, mm-hmm. not third and eight and throwing it five, and watch the Matt Schaub-led Houston Texans, you know, <laughs> plummet into mediocrity years ago. Um, Nebraska's got to have, uh, have a serviceable, not even serviceable, they got to have a good backup quarterback. And so I think Smothers, as long as he's been on campus, has to show progress. You know, the backup quarterback's always the most popular and, if, and, and maybe it's this Harburg kid, you know, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe he's got the right fire in his belly being a Nebraska kid that he's going to be the guy. Great. But um, they've got to find a backup quarterback to, uh, to Martinez. Bill, a minute here. Shaka says, see you, Texas, going to Marquette. So Texas does what? Do they go raid the Red Raiders? What, uh, what's that Texas job look like well, here? About a minute. I, I, just, I, I just hope Texas is able to find some money. I just don't know how they're <laughs> going to be able to do that. Uh, I, I would think that they have called Texas Tech already. <laughs> they may have had the, him on speed dial. Uh, you know, he went there. He was an assistant or something, grad assistant there. He's a great coach. Um, I, I think it's it's one of the it's it's not all that surprising that Chaka Smart is leaving. I think it's somewhat surprising that he's going to Marquette, but mm-hmm. I guess he is a Wisconsin native, so maybe there's some appeal there. Um, but I think it's I think it's Chris Beard. You know, I think they pursue him as hard as they pursued. Uh, I'm not going to say Nick Saban, you know, a few years ago to be the head football coach, but you know, I think they're going to go after Beard pretty hard. And then after that, uh, I'm not sure who Plan B would be, unless all the rumors about Mark Turgeon wanting to get out of Maryland are true, and that he's got his choice between Oklahoma and Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, you know, to be honest with you, I I think the Oklahoma job has, you know, some real attractiveness there because I think you have a little more stability, and maybe a little more great, more of a grace period than you do at Texas. What about Indiana? So Oklahoma, Texas, Indiana are open. I've got 15 seconds. What's the? Is Indiana a better job than the other two? No, no, I don't. I, I think it, name I, only. I think, it may, yeah, I think maybe a name only, and probably people would put Nebraska football in that same conversation. But 
Um, I, I'm not sure that people are all that enamored with the Indiana job right now as they would be with Oklahoma because of Joe Castiglione, the athletic director at Oklahoma, sure. and the, the allure of going to Texas. Bill, have a good weekend. Thanks for jumping on, bud. All right, go Big Red. There he is, Pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman. Amir Abdullah next. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Thank you, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Standout, all-conference, all-American. And uh, back with the Vikings, we say hi again to Amir Abdullah. Congrats on re-upping with Minnesota. I've always been good. I appreciate the congrats. Um, it's always good to hop on Husky Radio with you guys. Well, it's good to spend some time with you. And kind of take me through your mindset, your process here. What what's free agency like? Is it stressful? Is it exciting? How do you deal with the the business side of of the NFL? Uh, it all depends on um, obviously what you did the season before, and um, what the market is for your given position every every year. Luckily for me, it's been pretty uh, stressless. I had a good idea of uh, where a few teams viewed me going into free agency. I knew I wanted to be back with um, a team that I was familiar with, at least coaches that I was familiar with. And um, luckily, the Vikings, we've been very successful where coaches have gone to other places and been very successful as well. So my opportunities were a lot more um, vast than in the past. So um, this year, it wasn't as much stress. I just enjoyed it all. Amir Abdullah is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Amir, let's touch on your role, and you kind of do it all. You catch the football, you run the football, and you, uh, you do the return thing. And um, when it comes to, to finding your foothold in the NFL, you, you've been able to, to be successful at, at three different levels on, on offense, and it's pretty much about versatility, isn't it, once you get to the next level? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the more you can do, you know, any young player coming into the league, uh, it's going to be definitely a humbling experience understanding that you're going to have to learn everyone else's you know, position before they're going to stress you to um, go out there and execute. So um, any guy coming out uh, in the years to come, uh, make sure that you're definitely focusing on the bigger scheme, the bigger, the bigger picture, um, so to speak. And I think that's what's really helped me um, continue to have success in this league. Amir, take me through some moments you've had to deal with with being humbled because you had a great high school career. You had a phenomenal career at Nebraska. You've had uh, success in the NFL, but everybody at your level is really good, and in your talent also speaks for itself. But it's just – is it different, or were you prepared for the ups and downs in the league? Uh, I mean, I'm just prepared for life. Really, you know, I think everything that you do is just um, in alignment with who you are as a person and what, what you can handle. Um, one thing about me, I've always kind of been an underdog. I've always kind of come from a situation where I was doubted. I never really was expected to even be heading into my seventh year in the NFL. So with the ups and downs that I've had with, you know, injuries, starting here, now playing more of a backup role with the Vikings, um, it's all really pretty much the same. You know, all the all other things that people like to put on top of it, where, whether is he happy in the situation, is he um, feeling like he's successful in the situation, though that's all for speculation and for, you know, media and 
the fans to kind of uh, dabble into that subjectivity. You know, it's, it's all really pretty much the same. And um, the good thing about where I am right now is I'm at a place where I'm really valued. I'm at a place where they really want to use me. And um, I'm looking to just continue to build off of that. In my opinion, I can play as long as I still, you know, want to and I enjoy this game. Amir Abdullah with us, Hale Varsity Radio, at Amir Guapo on Twitter. Does it feel like seven years? No, it doesn't. It feels a lot shorter. It feels like a lot shorter. I feel like, uh, especially after I left Detroit, things just kind of started to go a lot faster. I'm like, man, like last year I was going into year six, now I'm going into year seven. It just, you know, it doesn't really seem real sometimes, but uh, I'm grateful for it all. Let's talk about the Vikings. I mean, a top 15 offense, uh, good ground game, got a veteran quarterback, good receiving core. You guys were right on the cusp last year uh, of the playoffs. Uh, and it's it's pretty typical to, to have, you know, a couple of NFC North teams that, that make the playoffs. And, uh, you know, the year before you guys were in the postseason. And, you know, what's that fine line like for you week in and week out for the team, I should say, uh, when it comes to, you know, game in, game out uh, in that playoff hunt? Uh, just how how tight is it uh, week in, week out? Uh, well, the NFC North, in my opinion, is probably one of the tougher divisions that you can play in. You know, obviously the Chicago Bears. They have a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball, so anytime you play them, you're not going to score a lot of points. Um, the same as can be said about the Green Bay Packers, obviously. They made a deep run in the playoffs this mm-hmm. year. And then their offense is just so dynamic. Anytime, you know, you're playing Aaron Rodgers, a guy can, you know, he can have a career day on you at any given moment. And, I mean, shoot, man, they're a well-coached defensive club. At least they have been in recent years. So it's never just a walk in the park when you're playing them. And uh, like you said, the Vikings, we have uh, a rich history of winning. And specifically last, specifically last year, I think what really bit us in the butt was injuries. Mm-hmm. Very early, we had a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the ball, which is where we kind of pride ourselves when we start our identity as a team. And, you know, this year I think we're definitely reloaded. You know, we added a couple guys in the, um, the defensive backfield that I think is going to be helpful. Patrick Peterson, who's you know obviously still one of the best corners probably in this last, in this recent decade, you know to play this game. Um, we we're returning guys like Anthony Barr. We had some pretty big sign, signs at defensive tackle. So you know Mike Zimmer is a big guy who's a guy who prides himself on tough defenses. So just we um, establishing that I think is important and offensively just building off of what we you know we kind of did last year. Like you said, we're a top 15 offense. We have, in my opinion, probably one of the most talented backfields in the league with, you know, myself, Dalvin, and Alex Madison. And um, just, you know, building off that run game, we when you drafted a rookie last year, Justin Jefferson, he pairs up nicely with Adam Thielen. We have some young tight ends who are looking to step up with the absence of um, Kyle Rudolph now. So, I mean, just, just rounding off a couple things with our team, I'm really confident. I'm sure that... Um, We'll definitely have everything ready in terms of talent. But I think what speaks louder about our team is we love to work. We love to improve. And everyone's really hungry to um, reach that next level. Was it super strange to deal with COVID 2020 for you? With with sometimes there'd be fans, some games there wouldn't be. How did you, or, or did it matter? Were you just kind of tunnel vision? 
No, it actually was. I, I would love to be that person to say, no, I was just focused on me. But I, I do. I feed off the crowd. I feed off the energy. Obviously, going to a university like the University of Nebraska, which every game has been sold out since 1962, it, it's really important to um, have that kind of atmosphere to ride off the emotions of the game. And when you don't have that, um, it does kind of force you to channel a different level of focus and um you know, pretty much motivate yourself in other ways. But that was that was extremely um, different. Hopefully this year that won't be the case. But, you know, if so, at least we now have a year under our, our, our belts where we do have experience with that. We know that, you know, you got to bring your own youth on game day. You hear that, bringing your own juice, easier said than done. And, you know, I want to go back to Nebraska for a moment, Amir Abdullah with us. Is there a moment, probably several, but is there a game I should ask uh, that that really you remember the crowd influence, influencing you and your energy level? Is there a yeah. game that, that really kind of you, you're usually at a level 10, but it went to, to 12 uh, because of that juice? Yeah, for sure. I definitely say 2014 against Miami. Um, that, that was a game that was highly anticipated, obviously, the rivalry between Nebraska and Miami in the 90s. And, even in the early 2000s, obviously they were they beat us last time and we played them prior to that time. Um, and just you know the legends coming back from the 90s, uh, just giving us pep talks, really just giving us the history of you know what this game kind of means, even though the implications weren't the same as they were in the 90s. But those being championship games at the time, it definitely felt like a championship game. I, I honestly, in my entire career of football, don't remember a single game where I felt more pressure but it wasn't pressure in terms of like a fear of not you know living up to an expectation it was more of just like a a inner fire to really prove the doubters wrong because you know it was a lot of things my senior year being compared to Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, a lot of the top backs in the league in the country it was my first time to really be on national TV where everyone was watching and it was an opportunity to really show what kind of brand of football Nebraska likes to play with the snatch mouth at the time, you know, running right at you. And, you know, I consider myself the best back in the league that in the country that year. And I just remember that game, every carry just meant so much to me. And I really felt the crowd behind me, you know, always supporting like the Nebraska faithful always does. So I'll definitely say 2014 against Miami was one that I would never forget. I can almost remember like every carry that game. And I can't say that for every game I played. Amir, there was like blood in the water for Nebraska fans that, you know, leading up to that kickoff that night yeah. game because of the, uh, I'm gonna, uh, the, the dislike for all the years. Miami would either put a hurting on Nebraska during an Orange Bowl or, you know, the heartbreak for, for the, uh, the, the 80s national championship cha- uh, chase in, in 84 in the 83 season. But you went for 200 yards plus that game, man, and it was. I remember sitting down with you the week before and and growing up a lot of you and your teammates I mean you love Nebraska but one of the programs I remember talking to you and DeMornay and and there was a lot of guys your age uh, that that grew up watching you I mean that was one of the teams guys honed in on correct oh my goodness yeah man like Willis and Clinton Portis like just just going back looking at the rich history of Miami um I'm really hoping that, you know, University of Nebraska and Miami, for the sake of college football, can really return to that kind of dominance because 
it, it, it really it made college football that much better. And you can have those two pillars moving at you know the pace that they were back in those days. It really shakes up the country. You know, obviously Clemson and Alabama, they kind of run you know the the, the tide of things in college you know recently, but mm-hmm. uh, just really getting back to that 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 pure consistent winning and the prestige is, I, I think, something that a lot of fans on both sides, Miami and Nebraska, are looking for. That's Amir Abdullah. More with the Viking running back and kick returner. A few more minutes with Amir Abdullah on the other side. Hail Varsity Radio. And uh, we're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. From Amir there, and we sat down with Amir yesterday morning. He uh, has been doing his training uh, in Atlanta, got the contract offer this week. That was outstanding for him. Real easy decision to re-up with the Vikings. And it's fun watching him do his thing. Really talented kick returner and uh, can do it all, run it, catch it. And uh, part of that offense, Vikes just missed the playoffs. More with Amir. Some great thoughts there on that Nebraska-Miami game. And uh, we'll hear uh, more from Amir. Another full segment with the Husker. Great. Hail Varsity, we're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot, preteen Swedish boy. More with Amir Abdullah on Hale Varsity Radio. Amir, with your time at Nebraska, tell me a little bit about your preparation and the competition and what it was like to play for Coach Brown. Man, I, I think timing is everything. And I had the opportunity to go to West Virginia or Nebraska for running back. And at the time, I was a really big Noel Devine fan. Sure. He just passed on from um, West Virginia. And they pretty much had promised me that I would start from day one. When Coach Brown was recruiting me, you know, Rex Burkhead was the starter. And not only that, I was only like a two-star recruit and they had already had commitments from Aaron Green, who I think he was like the second later back in the country. And then Braylon Hurd, who was a late qualifier for the year prior, he was like a top 10 running back in the country. So it was really no guarantees that I was really going to crack the field, you know. Just watching Rex Burkhead and watching how they worked and how he taught, he was always a universal teacher. Everything that he did, you can take from the game of football and apply it to life. And I just felt like I, I would definitely gain a lot more in my experience there than I would anywhere else just playing the you know position of running back. Couldn't have made a better decision coming in, uh, being behind Rex, someone who always led by example. You know, anyone asked me about Rex Burkhead, he's a man of very few words. Man. Like Rex probably said a total of 30 words to me through his three years with me at Nebraska. Anytime he was out there playing, he spoke volumes because he did the little things. He passed throws. If someone else was catching the ball, he was hustling downfield to get a block for and of course, when he had the ball in his hand, he maximized every single rep that he had. And just having a leader like that in front of me to kind of show me the ropes, how to work, how to take care of your body, how to deal with Nebraska fans. Because that's another thing, man. You know, when you're in Nebraska and you're the guy running the football, the main guy throwing the ball, there are a lot of distractions. There are a lot of guys trying to tell you how good you are, how, you know, how great you are. I think the running back position in Nebraska is one that comes with a lot of power. And if you know how to definitely navigate and use 
use that to speak to your benefit, but it can also break you down as well, as you can see with some, some past history examples that guys didn't handle that spotlight as well. Just going back to Coach Brown, he's a guy that I still stay in contact with today. He, he congratulated me last year when I re-signed with the Vikings, and, you know, I'm sure I'll talk to him pretty soon. He's a guy who's become like a life, you know, lifelong friend for me as opposed to just, you know, someone coaching me for a couple of years. Amir, year four for Coach Frost in Nebraska. Pretty heavy schedule in front of them. A lot of excitement, a lot of anticipation. Are you looking forward to, to following Nebraska? Do you get a chance to do that much? I do. Try to keep up with Nebraska as much as possible. This year was different because I had no clue what was going on. Right. I didn't know when, when things were playing with COVID and everything, but hopefully things can be more on schedule this year because it's part of my routine. Watch Nebraska Saturday before I play on Sunday. Talk to all my guys, Kenny Bell, Will Compton, Josh Mitchell, Toby Okiuni. We all, we're all Nate Gary, we all in um, a group chat. Quentin, no one, Tariq Allen. I can't leave them out or they'll be mad at me. I got to make sure I get everybody in. You know, we always talk about, you know, the stairs on Saturday before I go out and play on Sundays. I'm always, I'm a believer in South Bronx, man. I'm a believer. I know we had a lot of transfers, but I think adversity reveals a lot in people. Some people who, you know, they have adversity and they're willing to stick through it. And, you know, some people feel like, you know, other alternatives may be best for them. That's not to say that they're right or wrong with whatever decision they make, but they have to make that decision. And, you know, unfortunately, there were a lot of transfers that obviously were, you know, talented players from Nebraska, but life goes on, and I think Scott Frost would do well, you know, from this one on. Does that kind of blow you away, seeing this transfer portal with the thousands of kids that are checking out uh, greener pastures, they hope, anyway, it's free to do as we speak? I think any kid who wants to achieve his dream should, should never have this his path impeded. You know, if they, mm-hmm. they want to go somewhere else to fulfill that destiny or whatever they see for themselves, let them do it. But at the same time, I think there should also be an understanding that the grass isn't always greener and life is exactly what you make it. You know, mm-hmm. just because you go somewhere else doesn't mean it's going to be any different if your attitude hasn't changed, if your work ethic hasn't changed, if how you are, you know, as a person, how you treat people hasn't changed. And in due time, everyone learns that lesson eventually. I, I just hope that, you know, anyone who does transfer, they're doing it for you know the right reason why then they intend to take a, a different approach to wherever they're going and i definitely wish them the best amir you've been so active in in the community when you were with detroit uh, i think of flint and all the work you did to make sure folks had the opportunity for clean water and you really were vocal with that what have you been able to do in the community of, of minneapolis when it comes to, to your role your stage your your voice for folks in the twin cities i'm the leader of our social justice committee with the Vikings and this is a pretty new committee in the wake of everything that obviously took place mm-hmm. last year but what has been going on for decades with you know police brutality and just educating people and bringing awareness to the matter is uh, mainly my responsibility but also carrying out conversations on the behalf of players in the locker room they chose me to be the representative where we have conversations with the police chiefs and other politicians in the city to see how we can actually reform things and make things a lot more systematically fair for all people. Amir Abdullah with us you're comfortable in that role, but what, what was your reaction when, when you were chosen by your teammates? Um, honestly, I didn't want it. I didn't want it at first, you know, because a lot of times I don't like to speak. I don't like to just be the, the poster child, so to speak. I like to really get out there and be a part of the community. And I think you look at some of the work that I've done, like you said, in Detroit, that's kind of how I did it. You know, I didn't do any of that stuff through the team when I was in Detroit. Those were initiatives that I led myself. I, I am getting more comfortable with understanding that 
I have a platform and I have an opportunity through the support of the Will family, the owners of the Vikings, general manager Rick Spielman, and uh, all the coaches at the Vikings that they actually want me to be who I am and they want to support financially or they want to support with the, the platform that they have. And I just have to be continue to be more comfortable with doing that shamelessly and not trying to curate a feel to myself to, you know, not put them too much into the spotlight because we're beyond the point of trying to save face. We're beyond the point of trying to curate yourself or make yourself look too systematic or too structured. You got to say what's real. You got to be authentic. And I think we had a press conference last year that I know I said some things that a lot of guys weren't expecting or they were like, wow, he's cold for saying that. But I appreciate the Will family and the um, Rick Stillman and the Vikings for allowing me to do that and be transparent with exactly where I stand with police brutality and racial inequality. And I intend, I intend to do so um, so much more in the future. Amir, we're going to see you back here doing some broadcasting for the spring game? Yes, yes, man. I, I, was, I was bummed. I was bummed that um, spring game wasn't a thing this year. That's something that had really become a tradition for me. I, I definitely I definitely want to get back into the community in Nebraska and just to uh, reach back out to the people who gave so much to me. You know, obviously I'm going into year seven in the NFL, but not a single year that I've spent in the NFL amount to one year I had in college. Just from the entire experience and the, the love and support that I got. And, you know, I'm, I'm definitely thinking about ways in my marketing team. We're thinking about ways where I can come back and create something to, to give back to the people, uh, whether that's through television, whether that's through um, community work, whether that's through um, marketing for the city or the team or however way things ends up working itself out. But it's, I, I don't want the Nebraska faithful to think that Abdullah has moved on and forgot about him <laughs> because anywhere I go, man, that's, I mean, people people know me for that. You know, obviously I've been in the league for seven years now, but when I see someone who's a football fan, they identify me with the University of Nebraska, and I wouldn't have it any other way, so I feel like I definitely need to prepare for it and continue to, um, you know, reach back out and stay connected to that community. Amir, continued success. Thanks for a few minutes today, man. Great to chat. All right. Thank you. It's Amir Abdullah. Long chat with him. We covered the Vikings, his role on and off the field, his time at Nebraska, the running back room, the the topic of competition and transfer. So that'll get posted on the uh, on the on demand section, ESPN Lincoln.com. And of course, the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Let us know what you think of the show. Give us a rating, por favor. And we will have the infamous stake in a beer bet between myself and Elijah Herbal. Little sweet 16 time. That's on the way with Hale Varsity. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, and uh, good stuff. We'll be back at it tomorrow morning. Weekend edition, Hale Varsity Radio, myself and Cranach. Uh, should be an awesome weekend. Plenty of college basketball. You're out bumping around, running errands. ESPN Lincoln will have the NCAA Tournament Sweet 16 Saturday and Sunday for you. Are we picking one game or are we going through the list? I, I think there are. there is a game. There is one singular game I'm looking at, which I'm intrigued by. Um, and I wouldn't even be opposed with going two games. Okay. You the, pick them and let's go. The two games I'm looking at, Creighton-Gonzaga sure. and Florida State-Michigan. Okay. So last check uh, with Danny Burke, the pride of Chicago, who 
My oh my, Danny's talking to Brent Musburger in 30 minutes. Uh, speaking of Brent Musburger, I just watched that uh, Al Davis versus the NFL documentary, the 30 for 30. Pretty sweet. A little weird with like the face swapping, but it was a very it was a cool story and it was a, a pretty cool way to, that they did it with uh, mm. trying to like bring these guys back and, oh, yeah. and tell them stories themselves. Yeah. It, was, it was definitely interesting. The face swapping wasn't always perfect all the time, but it for how audacious that was to try to pull off. Big respect to them. It was a good documentary. So we will get into uh, Creighton. I think can score clearly. Mm-hmm. I think Gonzaga's too much. I think Creighton covers. Is the line this one like what? 14? 13 and a half. Did, did it jump? Uh, I checked a couple days ago. I think it was 14. It may be going towards Creighton. Okay. Uh, let's just pull up the line. How about we do that? Uh, I'm going to let you go first. <laughs> I'll take Creighton. You'll take Creighton to cover? Yeah. Well, I was thinking about going the other way. So, so Okay. Staking a beer. We're, we're virtually shaking hands. You've got Gonzaga... And I have Creighton to cover. The official line I'm seeing here is still 13 and a half, yes. Okay. Give me Creighton to cover. Creighton to cover 13 and a half, and I'll, I'll take Gonzaga to cover 13 and a half. Creighton's good, but Gonzaga's I, think, money. I think this Gonzaga team is just too good, and I think they're going to give them some fits defensively, even though Gonzaga's offense is so good. Uh, I just don't know if Creighton's going to be able to shoot the ball as well as they have against some they need. They teams. need to. And, they and need quite to honestly, I mean, Creighton's beaten two high seeds. Mm-hmm. Right, they, they they've put their cigarette out on Cinderella a couple of times. All right, and now go face long and lanky Gonzaga. Right, uh, Michigan, Michigan, Florida State. That line's still at two and a half. Michigan's favored. I think the difference here is is Livers because he's watching. Both teams score. Both teams play good defense. Both teams can hit from three. Both teams are good from the free throw line. Uh, I like. Florida State. Yeah, I like Florida State outright too. So I guess we're gonna go back to the Creighton as our as our stake in a beer bet. But when I look at this Florida State Michigan game, it's Florida State's long and lanky. If you watch their game against Colorado, they're not good defensively. They are borderline elite defensively for a college basketball squad. I just don't know how Michigan's gonna generate enough offense to beat them. It's gonna be a close game. Don't get me wrong. I think it'll be outstanding. Do you like Oregon? USC minus two. <sighs> SC's favored. I really liked USC over Kansas. This is one that I really wanted to stay away from because I didn't watch enough Pac-12 basketball this year. You, me, and the rest of the world. <laughs> we, we watched to see you know, if Bill Walton's hallucinating, bless his soul. UCLA, do they cover against Bama six and a half? This UCLA I don't think, I don't think good. UCLA... They, they now have a week of rest. So I, I think they do cover. I think, they, I think that week of rest may slow them down. Uh, they really impressed me all they, last week. They were week. in the play-in, and then they just kind of kept on rolling. They played three games in six days, and I think they looked outstanding in two and a half of those three games. Let me let me see Mick Cronin erupt and get tossed. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning on Hale Varsity. Thanks.